Hi, this is Alex Granados, News Director for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today we're talking to Richard Vinroot, former Charlotte Mayor, attorney at Robinson, Bradshaw, and Henson, and one of the founders of Sugar Creek Charter School in Charlotte, and he's also a school choice advocate. Richard, thank you for being here today. Nice to be with you. Um, So first I wanted to ask you, um, you know, as a school choice advocate, what do you think are the lessons that we've learned so far about school choice? Well, uh, one is that education is really hard, really hard. Maybe the hardest thing to do in the world is educate. Uh, And so when people like me decide they're going to create a school, charter school, and think we're going to go off and do it better than the systems, not so fast. It's not that easy to do. Uh, And there are a lot of failures in public education, not just in systems, but in charter schools. And that's probably uh, understandable, and particularly with people who've never done it before. Uh, So that's one of the first lessons. The other lesson is that when things don't go right, you need to change and you need to, you know, remodel your school and figure out a different way to do it as our charter school did. And our principal, as I said, when we talked earlier, went all over the country looking at uh, poverty schools, not, not, not race, race nothing to do with, it has to do with poverty, poverty schools and how do they do it. And uh, she came back with a lot of ideas, implemented them, and now we're very successful. And so you mentioned that some charter schools fail. Is yeah. that a problem that some charter no, schools No, I think it's, I think it's good actually. I mean, some businesses fail when they're, they're not worth having, they ought to go out of business when they're not worth having the, either the government ought to shut them down or, or the parents ought to effectively shut them down by saying we're leaving. But that ought to happen across the board in school systems, too. The government ought to shut some school systems down. They'd get their attention. And, uh, I I mean, I guess that leads to the—I guess that is the question of accountability, whether, you know, charter schools are held to the same standards as traditional public schools, whether um, private schools that accept uh, opportunity scholarships are held to the same standards. What do you think about accountability? Accountability. I I would argue that, that, that charter schools are more accountable because there's one other person involved in accountability, and that's the parent. Uh, poor parents who are in school systems can only move if they can change their location. They can buy another house, some other district. It's pretty hard to do when you're poor. Or go to a charter school. You sure can't go to a private school that costs you ten or $15,000 a year, not with a $4,000 scholarship. Uh, and so you don't have many options. And some of them choose charter schools that probably aren't very good options. But they at least are doing what they can to get out of a bad system. And we need to have more choices and more equitable funding for those choices, both the charter schools. I can tell you a lot of the charter schools that fail, fail because of finances. It's pretty hard to buy a building with no capital funds and basically buy it out of current expense money, pay the teachers less so you can spend maybe a quarter of the per pupil amount on buildings. That's a, that's a, that's a problem. So let's talk about some of the the uh, disparities or what you might call inequities between um, funding for traditional public schools versus charter mm-hmm. schools. Um, you know, we we just heard this talk that you gave at the John Locke Foundation where you were talking about how you know charter schools don't get capital funding, but they also don't get other funds. That we don't get the full. We, we, we were supposed to get when the schools when the legislature in 1996 created charter schools that the, there were three or four principles that were adopted by the legislature. By the way, it was a Republican House and a Democratic Senate. And the Democrats didn't want charter schools at all. They didn't want choice at all. But the Republicans had the majority in the House, and they passed a bill that created charter schools. But the rules were, we're only going to let you have 100, the cap, and we're not going to let you have capital. And that's the way it's been until the Republicans gained control of both House and Senate and lifted the cap. 
uh, but they we never have been able to and we don't have capital funding we actually sugar creek and 10 other schools filed a lawsuit and essentially asked the court to order them to give us capital funds and the legislature i mean the the, the uh, court of appeals said no that's not the constitution does not require that you have capital so we lost that so now we've we'd certainly love to have the opportunity to get capital and by the way you don't get capital from the general assembly you get it from each county commission the county all capital funding is provided by the local counties so the school systems get their capital money from county commissioners but the, the court decision was that they have no authority under our constitution to give us capital funds unless the legislature should adopt a law that so permits and so tell me a little bit about the charter school that you helped start yeah. and uh, the impetus for that. Well, it was just a, a wild hair, basically. I was uh, campaigning for governor. I met a man who's a friend of mine, a supporter of mine, who'd started a charter school down in eastern North Carolina. And I came back to Charlotte and thought, I'd like to try this. So I gathered friends together, and 10 of us, uh, I think half of them were, I had never looked, but half of them were Democrats, I'm confident. And four or five were African-American and the rest of us, and we created a charter school in the inner city of Charlotte. And as I said to the group, we went down to see several of us, a woman named Velva Woolen and I were the ones that essentially conceived the idea, and a fellow named Frank Martin. We went down to the uh, superintendent of schools at the time, Dr. Eric Smith, and said, we're about to do this in the inner city. What do you think? He said, I thought it was a terrible idea, just terrible. Don't do it. I hate charter schools. I said, well, why would you hate us? We're going to put a school in the hardest place that you're having to educate your kids in the inner city we're taking them off your hands and if we you know do a better job you'll be better off you won't have to worry about him and we will and uh, he still thought it was a terrible idea and i think now maybe what he was saying was you might succeed and make us look bad well we have succeeded we made them and we make them look really bad and i can tell you that the, the subsequent superintendent who sent all the principals and all the teachers of their similar schools to our school to see what we're doing they hated it they hated us for that because we were embarrassing the dickens out of them by doing it better with a lot less money. And you were saying before to, to the audience that um, uh, how you handle discipline at your school with contracts with parents. And we, well, and yeah, we, we, well we, yeah, we have coming in when the parents, and mind you, you're on a waiting list to get in. We, our school has 1,500 kids and 400 on a waiting list. So when you get the news that you got in, you're pretty happy typically. And we sign a contract that talks about our discipline and about our policies and about kids are going to behave and we're going to expect you parents to back us up that's the deal and uh, we, we we i didn't mention this upstairs but we spend a lot of time working we we have a we have a, a class on character and, and we we promote character education among other things about how you behave and how you treat people i mentioned a little boy who came up to me in the hallway and told me to Shh, be quiet we're not supposed to talk in the halls he got it, and he wanted me to get it. And so if, if students, um, you know, don't follow the rules, ultimately they can be kicked they out. Can. They can. Which is an option that traditional public no, schools don't. No, they, and they, they ought to have the same rights. They really ought to. You ought not to let a bad kid. Look, they, they do they do take them out. They put them in an alternative school. Mm -hmm. That's what they do in our city. But you shouldn't let bad kids destroy the opportunity for good kids. You, gotta do, you can't just tolerate it. We don't. And so you were talking about uh, the influence that your dad had on your views of education and how yeah. he talked about uh, public education as the great <laughs> equalizer. And, and back then, there weren't charters or opportunity yeah. scholarships or that sort of thing. So he was talking strictly about traditional public schools. He was simply saying to me, my dad said, uh, Richard, my dad went through the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. and he, came, he immigrated to this country as a boy and, and 
half his brothers didn't go any farther than he did in school. Uh, he he basically said to me and to my brother and sister, "You're in America. You got a great opportunity. And education is the equalizer. When you, you get good educations, you can do anything you want to in this country. This is a, not a this is not like a country I came from. You you don't have, need to be born wealthy to do well here. Get a good education, and the world's your oyster." And so, what role do you think choice plays in that now? Well, it it, it it's certainly not. It's only a what six percent or seven percent of our state's kids are in charter schools, so it's not much. It's it's just just a fledgling. But it'll be it, it's going to be the it's going to be the I think the stimulus. If Sugar Creeks come along that embarrass the school system, they're going to get better, or they're going to lose a whole lot more kids to schools like ours. It, it's the it's do or die basically, I think. And uh, so, what do you think is the proper sort of makeup? Of choice, you know, like how many kids should be in a traditional public school? I don't think it matters. Um, we're we're a big one, fifteen hundred kids. We started out with four hundred kids, five hundred kids, and we had so many on the waiting list. We grew. I don't think this is a perfect. I mean, a big school. If it, I, I went to high school, there were thirteen hundred kids in my high school. Uh, Sugar Creek's bigger than that. It's working quite well. But I suspect the the forty four four five hundred is probably a a decent size for a school, a little, almost a little red schoolhouse. Well, I was thinking more of percentages, like number of students that should be in charter schools versus traditional Oh, I, I don't have any, I don't think there's an answer to that. I mean, I, I think if the charters do well as they are nationwide and in this state and do better, uh, they're going to they're gonna be 50-50 before it's over. They're going to be kids on scholarships, really poor kids, and they're going to be kids in charter schools, and they're going to be a declining public school system that can't compete. Or I hope the reverse is true. The school systems are so good that charter schools quit opening because they're not able to compete without the dollars with a well-performing school system. That's the best answer. But I don't, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have an end of, end of uh, competition answer to that. I mean, I just, I do think, I do think that there's health in competition. I do think that there's health in innovation. I do think that the little tugboat that is my charter school compared to 150, 145,000 kids in a big school system that monthly a group of directors the board makes policy decisions pretty hard for them to compete with my school where our board meets monthly and probably makes very few decisions because the principal already made the right decision about changing policies the day after the mistake happened they just it's a tugboat that changes course when it needs to I think I just think that principle is beats the system basically and we don't have, you know, we don't have a bureaucracy. There's a principal, there's a bookkeeper, there's a secretary. That's the office staff. And then there are a hell of a lot of really good teachers out there in those classrooms. You go to Charlotte and look at that public school system, they got the biggest bureaucracy and building I've ever seen. I mean, it's something. And they're good people. I'm sure they're making good policy decisions, but we don't have that luxury. We have to perform with what we have, and it's working fine. Good teachers will beat uh, a good administrator every time. And so during your presentation, you were talking about some of the statistics of um, achievement yeah. and uh, you know makeup of the student body that charter yeah. schools have yeah. versus traditional schools. Um, I, don't, I don't need exact numbers, but can you talk a little bit they're about, about that? They're about the same. They're, they're slightly, I think that in North Carolina, the white percentage is 57. This is back two years ago when these percentages were taken. I bet they're changed slightly now. 57% white in charters, 50% white in school systems. 26% black students in charter schools, 26% in school systems. 17% Hispanic in school systems, 8% Hispanic in charters. Others makes up the difference. They're basically lookalikes. They're very similar. Um, 
and nationwide, I, I didn't mention this when I talked, nationwide the, there's a far higher percentage. I think it's almost double. 28% of the kids in charter schools nationwide are black. 15% in school systems across the country are black. So far more black kids in charter schools than the double that there are in school systems. And so, but yet that's not the perception that a lot no, of people have. No, the perception is a lie. The perception is a lie, and it's being portrayed by editors and people all over the country. I quoted a couple of them. A lady, nice lady, I'm sure, in Charlotte, sent a column to the paper about a month ago, basically saying more minorities in, in public schools. That's why they don't perform as well. Less in school systems. Well, she's just backwards. It, it happens to be double minorities in charter schools versus school systems. Why would you tell that lie? Why would somebody not correct that? Because it doesn't fit their narrative that we're failing because we have too many poor kids. Well, in North Carolina, I quoted the fact that, that free and reduced lunch is like 9% of charters and 7% of school systems. We got more poor kids. Well, that doesn't suit their narrative. They'd rather have it be a white flight. That's why you're doing well, but it's not, that's not what's happening. Do you think this um, tension between supporters of school choice and and uh, their opponents is going to lessen over time as we have more well, choice I hope, options? Well, I hope by telling the story that I told today and by somebody letting these numbers out uh, that it'll be a comeuppance for the people who portray the, the, the lie. And, no, I think the tension will continue. I mean, if I were threatened, if I were the monopoly lawyer threatened by competition, I guess I would do most anything to keep my job and, you know, keep my clients. So I don't know anything to lessen, but I do think that the truth, like the Bible says, has a way of freeing us eventually. What do you think the future of choice is going to be in North Carolina? It's, it's going it's, it's it's to basically be the equal competitor of school systems. It, it's, it's growing at, in this state, 10,000 kids a year are choosing some choice alternative, 10,000 a year. And as I quoted up there, in 15 years, if that number stays that way, and if it doubles as it has in the last five years, it has doubled. Multiply that out 15 years and you're basically equal number of kids in choice programs to the school system programs. In Charlotte, the, the, the basically it's over. All the growth, all the growth last year was in charter schools. The public school systems went down and the charters went up by 10,000 kids. That's going to happen again this year. And, and so you think ultimately charter schools will eventually teach more or less the same number of they, kids? They will until the school systems get better. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope will happen. If, if that happens, then it'll stem the tide when the school systems become good again, better again, fight off the, the threat, then they won't leave as much, which is what ought to happen. In fact, why would you leave a school system with a big fancy new building, with a great football field, with turf, with a great new gym, with all kinds of facilities? Why would you leave that for an old Kmart? You, you shouldn't have to do that, except that the most important thing that you want to happen in that school is to educate your child, and you'll almost go anywhere to get that to happen. And so on the issue of school choice and other issues, you're, you're putting yourself out there, you know, telling people what you think, showing people mm -hmm. the statistics, mm -hmm. kind of acting as a civic leader. And, and that's sort of um, something that a lot of uh, that, that your law firm's kind of known for. Um, but fewer lawyers are doing that nowadays. Do you think it's important? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with law. It has to do with just being a good citizen. I mean, I, I have, I, it happens to have been something that I believe in. It happens to be something that I've practiced law in that area and litigated, and it happens to be something that I know a fair amount about. So I ought to be sharing that information. I mean, I just think that's good citizenship. I don't think it has anything to do with lawyers. It has to do with being good, good, good citizens. Okay. And, and, and as I said upstairs, 
I love basketball. That's important, but that's frivolous. This is really deadly serious. How we educate our kids is deadly serious, and it ought to be. In fact, I'll make the argument: it's so much more important than law. Not as maybe not more important than medicine, but it's almost more important than any any occupation in this state is educating our children. We ought to pay the teachers more. We ought to pay the best ones a lot more, the best ones who perform. And we ought to do all we can to educate our kids. If we put more money in education, I'm all for it. But it ought to be for things that work, not for things that are simply tied to tenure uh, and certifications and foolishness in, in, in comparison to performance. I mean, they're not foolish. They're important. But they're not nearly as important as how your kids do, how they test out. That's the, that's the real bottom line. And we ought to pay for that. Well, Richard, thank you for talking sure, with sure me. Sure thing. Sure thing. We've been talking with Richard Vinroot, former Charlotte mayor, attorney at Robinson Bradshaw and Henson, one of the founders of Sugar Creek Charter School and a school choice advocate. I'm Alex Cornados, news director for Education NC, and you've been listening to Ed Talk. <laughs>